0: Hi, I'm Scott Thomas, and welcome to episode four of Getting to Know You. I wanted to add a little additional introduction to this episode because it's been over two months since we recorded it with Mark Bohawk at the end of March. There's been a lot happened since then, from all of the uh, difficulties with COVID-19 to the uh, tragedy with George Floyd and the uh, subsequent protests, and we've got a lot going on in our society that is making it more challenging than ever. We thought it was really important to get the podcast back up and running because we think the concept of getting to know each other really is a good thing for us to uh, really make it through all these struggles that we're dealing with now so i hope you enjoy this episode of getting to know mark bohawk
1: i'm going to the hospital there's two minutes left on the cd just go take care of things
0: hello and welcome to episode four of getting to know you We had other plans for this episode, but the current COVID-19 crisis has, like so many other aspects of life today, made us change our plans. I thought this would be a great opportunity to heed the public health guidelines and to highlight Mark and his WLOH team, as he plays a key role in producing this podcast and also has a Buckeye story to tell. Before we learn more about Mark though, I'd like to talk just a little bit about the current crisis. I know there have been many, many times in my 25 years at Buckeye that I can remember saying something like, well, that's a first. Or, I haven't seen that before. Mark, I'm sure you would agree.
1: Yes, this is a unique situation.
0: This one involves a a plethora of public health, economic, humanitarian, governmental, cultural issues, you name it. It creates issues not only for individuals, but our entire society and involves what seems to involve an unprecedented level of uncertainty. Mark, how is the COVID-19 crisis impacted you?
1: Well, from a personal standpoint, my daughter is off college for the next, uh, the rest of the semester. Yes, so yeah. she's at home doing distance learning. Yeah. For the radio station, it's an attempt to continue business as usual because we are considered an essential service and yeah. must provide information to the public, uh, both the the COVID-19 situation plus As we record this, we are in tornado and thunderstorm season, the start of spring. So we're, you know, we've got a lot of flooding right now within our listening area. So part of our mission is to make sure that weather information, the emergency information gets out as well. So it's a matter of staffing and making sure that we are at our best staying healthy as Mm -hmm. well.
0: Yeah, we've been uh, pretty fortunate as well, Mark, uh, with our business being deemed essential at this point. We've been able to stay open and, and continue to serve our customers. And kind of to add on to that, I'd, I'd like to, on behalf of the Buckeye team, want to extend our thoughts and prayers to those that are suffering from the coronavirus and also the men and women who are on the front line as civil servants and in the hospitals uh, treating these folks and preparing for what could be an even worse public health crisis. I also want to um, just really thank our Buckeye team members because there's been a lot of change in the last uh, couple of weeks and that's required a lot of flexibility and um Change on their part, and it's it's been really great to see their teamwork work together, and um, you know figure out how to stay open for the customer, stay safe, really adhere to all the public health issues that uh, are really new for all of us these days. Let's kind of turn to learning more about Mark Bohawk and WLH here. So, um, Mark, can you kind of how we start all the podcasts? Can you tell us about yourself?
1: A little bit about myself. I Don't usually talk about myself, so, yeah, just, so This I'm is a new opportunity for you. Well, uh, I'm basically a resident of of Lancaster, uh, Fairfield County. Went to Fairfield Union High School. I graduated in 1980, and have been in radio pretty much all my life, including my pretty much my teenage years as well. I'll we can talk more about that later. Yeah. But um, I'm married. My wife Arlene uh, is the um, is actually uh, the co owner of the radio station. We've been married now 35 years. And we have a daughter, uh, Callie, she is 20. Uh, She has grown up around this business and is kind of got my knack for communications. Uh, She's actually a music and business major at Muskingum University uh, in New Concord, Ohio. So she's gonna follow in your footsteps, maybe? Well, you know, her options are open. Uh, She has a lot of interests and she pretty much, I've told her, look, the radio station is here, it's our family business. But you can do whatever you want. And I want her to explore all those options. Right. If she comes back to broadcasting at some point, if that's what she really wants, great. That's her choice. But uh, I want her to have the business background. So I yeah. want her to be, I want her to do the business major. She loves music, and she's a good performer. She plays horn and mm. pretty much can play any instrument. And Mm -hmm. is uh, that's a big part of what she does. So I've encouraged her to explore that. And she says, "Dad, I can't really make a living at that." I said, "But you know, you have to have what you love." And so I said, "You know, if you want to conduct orchestras or you want to perform in an orchestra, you know, even if that's not a full-time job, pursue what you love as well."
0: So how did you? You mentioned going to Fairfield Union and getting involved in radio early. So how did that
1: start? Well, it started with theater. Um, I have to thank uh, my drama teacher margaret kelly who anybody who went to fairfield union from about 1970 to about 1990 something is going to know margaret kelly uh she was a english uh, teacher she directed all the plays and got me involved early in drama and I, i i while i acted and enjoyed that what i really enjoyed was being in the booth doing the technical things okay so my my bent or my education is engineering uh I actually my degree is in engineering, uh, in design and and our, our radio frequency systems, which is transmitters, antennas, and then all of the technical things that go into a radio station and television. I'm I'm kind of I've done both over the years, yeah. but radio really is the passion because I really fell in love with the idea of being a communicator of you know one of those people who can turn words into something that creates what we call theater of the mind, which is, which is just, to me, there's a lot of power and a lot of fun in that. That's what I really enjoy. Good. I I learned, as a matter of fact, it was a, uh, it was early on in my career where um, I was engineering a remote broadcast for, uh, this was another radio station and they um, were doing it at a car dealer, ironically. And the, uh, the, the guy on the remote said, he said, play along. And so we went to the, to the remote and the guy, you hear a door slam, and you hear the guy go, oh, I just put red tags on all the cars, and I just marked everything. And and my you wife... Painting a picture. I, with we boys. were a newlywed, right. We were newlyweds. I came home. My wife says, wow, that sounded really exciting. He was out there running around. I said... Honey, that was all theater of the mind. <laughs> I said we sometimes do things on radio just to kind of like create, create that theater that of picture, mind. Yeah. So I, I learned that you know there's there's a lot you can do just with the spoken word and with sound and you know w- what we found is that you know jingles and and you know how you create those those images in people's minds is is just a fun thing. That's the most fun part of what we do. That's great, and
0: you I can tell you enjoy the uh, technical aspect of it as well because. Uh, I look around the studio here, and uh, the technology is really impressive. Everything from the monitors to the, to the board to mm-hmm. the uh, servers or different components mm-hmm. over there for transmission. We Tell are me about completely, that. a
1: completely digital facility, and, and one of the things that I've always taken pride in is keeping the technology up to date and, and utilizing technology to our full effect. And so, what you have here is a fully digital facility uh, that's able to do podcasting, broadcasting, commercials, you know, live DJ things, whatever we whatever we need. It's we we want to be versatile. Uh, equipment is important to you know that you not you don't necessarily need the most expensive, but what you need is the the things that are going to be the most reliable. Uh, early on in in yeah, ownership, how has that changed over the years? Well, you know. It's When I started in radio, we used analog reel-to-reel tape, you know, big reel-to-reel machines to record. Uh, We had uh, pretty much everything was either tape, record, and then the CD era, you know, I kind of got into CDs were coming in. So um, that was the first kind of foray into digital was the compact disc. And it... It was incredible. I remember listening to a CD for the first time on the radio, when, when we put the first CD players in, and the sound quality took this gigantic leap because all of a sudden you didn't hear the scratch and the crackle of the records. Right. It was pure and digital. And so, and then the transmission technology has continued to evolve as well. So every step of the uh, you know in the link from the microphone you're talking into to the antenna that it goes out if you're on broadcast all of that continues to evolve. Right. Um, so what we what we do is we look, I look in five year increments and say, okay, for the next five years, what is going to be the development? Where is it going to go? And so, and we look at that and say, this is this is where we're going. We're now in a brand new facility here. And what you see is kind of a combination of new equipment and some of the things we brought over from the old studios. We're now going to evolve that over the next five years. As the state of the art improves, the the next buzzword in our industry is what's called AOIP, and you you've probably familiar, probably have them at your at uh, at Buckeye. Voice over IP. You've got VoIP, right. right? Which is the the telephones or over well, the internet, right? AOIP is the same concept in high quality audio. It's where everything is virtualized, and if I want my microphone to appear in the rooms. Two studios away, I press a button and my microphone's over there. It's all virtualized, hmm. so that's where we're going, and we're just kind of watching that technology and when the time is right, making those moves. Yeah. So it, the goal is to always be on top of it because um, this podcast is a great example. It's a great way to reach people, and you're doing a fantastic job at Buckeye in, in capturing that. We look at that as kindred. You know, it's it's radio in another form.
0: Right. Great.
1: So how did you?
0: Um, after high school, how did you actually get into doing radio? And
1: well, I went to Hawking College, so my degree is in what's called is I have a dual degree: broadcast engineering and electronics engineering, which was offered at the time, and it allowed me to learn design of circuits. Like I said, radio frequency was kind of a specialty then. This was before the cell phone boom, or as the cell phone boom boom was starting. And, and and all these new towers and these new transmitters and everything started to happen there, there was this sudden boom in in the need for people that knew RF and so I got out of out of college just about the the perfect time because radio stations television stations all needed uh, help because they what one of the things that was happening was they were getting calls hey we want to put these antennas on your tower and then all of a sudden it's like well can we is that, can our tower handle that? Is it gonna interfere with what we're doing? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people coming out of college at that time were in like a great position to go into those jobs and and, and work with that emerging technology. Right, great. So I, I actually wound up working at Ohio University for five years at WOUB, radio and television. So there they were in the middle of what was um, this revolution in in the, the very first part of connecting college campuses together. So I I walk in as a a 22-year-old kid, young man, into Ohio University, and I'm told, hey, we're going to be going to all the branch campuses, Lancaster and Belmont and Ironton, all these different campuses. And number one, we're going to be putting radio stations at every one of them. And number two, we're going to be connecting them by microwave back to the main campus so that a professor in Athens can teach the same course in Lancaster. Uh, via this new higher education microwave system, hmm. so all when, of a sudden, when was this? This was in the mid '80s. Mid '80s. So you know, in the mid '80s, the the start before the internet, right? Ohio University was interconnecting campuses and in, in doing fully interactive pro, uh, teaching and programming. Interesting. So I got in on all of that, and so so, so from there, again, love being radio. I got to build a couple of the radio stations out. Uh, I got to go to Cambridge and uh, build WOUC, which was the the uh, uh, educational fm for uh that area uh got to work with woub uh extensively in athens again in the transmission side of things being you know at the, you know at the towers and doing all the all the transmission work and then from there uh, got offered a job in columbus at wcol Okay. Uh, took that job and then from there wound up back here in my hometown of lancaster when at the time was k95 right uh, and uh, uh, was offered the job as director of engineering for for WHOK K ninety five. Wow!
0: So how did you? How much time have you spent behind the mic doing different shows well, and programming?
1: For the first several years, I mean, for the first probably ten years, it was uh, all engineering. You know, I was behind mm-hmm. the scenes, and it, it happened one day, and it was at K ninety five, and I'd been. Let's see, this would have been in nineteen eighty nine, and. I literally was one month on the job, and one of the reasons I was hired at K95 was it was emerging at that time as the big country radio station for Central Ohio, yep. and so they were in the middle of they needed rebuild. They were they were a little behind. They needed the, they needed facilities. They needed to needed to be able to do remote broadcasts and do all the things that the big boys did. So I was hired to kind of wrangle all of that. One afternoon, and again, this is at a time when K95 was the number three or four radio station in central Ohio, average afternoon listening of a couple hundred thousand people, and the afternoon guy, and I won't name him because he's still out there, (laughs) uh, came back to the engineering shop one and said, hey man, uh, are you able to go on the air? And I said... um, I guess I could if you know I needed to and I know how to do everything he says good I think I'm having a heart attack I'm going to the hospital there's two minutes left on the CD just go take care of things so at 20 after 3 in afternoon drive time on one of the top rated radio stations (laughs) in central Ohio I wind up on the air (laughs) and a half hour goes by before I realize I'm just trying to keep things together and the we have a hotline phone under the under the console and it's a you know your your obligatory red telephone right right? program director and uh it was max and he says uh hey mark b i said hey max he says i don't want to be impolite but what the blank are you doing on the (laughs) air and i said well here's the deal Uh, the he's on his way to the hospital he thinks he's having a heart attack uh i'm i'm i've got everything ready what do you want me to do and he says, well, you sound pretty good. Why don't you just stay on the air till 7 o'clock? <laughs> nice. After that, anytime somebody needed a day off on short notice, I, I filled in for You them. were the fill-in guy. The ironic thing was the station owner at the time, Bill France, a uh, really nice guy, said, well, if you're going to do that, i got to pay you extra for that. Well, I'd have done it for nothing. I was, <laughs> I was salaried. I didn't care. And he's like, well, just fill in a timesheet for that because I want to pay you extra for that. Nice. So that, that's, that was kind of cool to be actually be yeah. rewarded for something that I thought was just part of my job. So Bill France was a prior owner. Did you then
0: take over from him or how did, actually, how did all that?
1: Actually, I uh, I had an opportunity then. I worked for Bill for about four years. And in the early 90s, a station up in North Central Ohio, uh, I knew the owner. The owner was an engineer uh, who had built it and wasn't doing all that well financially with it. And my wife and I, our dream had always been to own our own station. So we decided to make an offer. Now, again, we, you learn how little you know about business when you actually have to do things. You think you know it all going in. So this this uh, gentleman, I said, look, I've saved up a little money. If you ever wanna talk about selling, uh, I'd love to talk to you. Now, I left that as just kind of an aside. A couple of days later, he calls back and says, are, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. So we met and over the course of a few months, uh, we actually worked out a deal where he, it was a buy sell agreement where he was able to sell me the station and we were able to uh, basically give him a down payment Pay off all of his bills and then do a, a an installment, installment plan uh, to get uh, t- to pay for it. So we owner financed a portion of it, and that got us into our first station, and that was in Fredericktown, Ohio, uh, which we immediately uh, converted into a country radio station because we saw this was ni- the '90s country was hot as it still is, but it, it was at that time when uh, Clint Black and Garth Brooks and all Tricia Yearwood, all these major artists were emerging. It was a perfect time to get into country radio, so we converted that station to country. And actually, on, on April 1st, April Fool's Day, 1992, launched our, our own station Is that right? in North Central That's Ohio. That's a great story. I'd never heard that. Um, that was, uh, like I said, we got in and, and realized, number one, everything, you know this from being in business, <laughs> everything costs more than you think. Everything takes longer than you think, and nothing ever goes exactly the way you plan. This is true. So I have coined the first business plan I ever put together, the greatest work of science fiction since Star Trek. Because <laughs> as I look back on it, right. everything I thought was going right. to happen didn't. didn't yeah. Everything I didn't think was going to happen did. And we wound up just, you know, again, that first year morphing everything into you right. know, something that worked. Figuring it out. The goal was, as, as I, I've always said, failure is not an option. I wasn't going to allow us to fail. So we, we adapted. We we Morphed. We broke even for about a year. We we survived, and then after the first year, things really started to take off. The format took off. The station became very popular, and advertisers, you know, came came to it. You know, it's one of those things. It's it's like we'll get to our relationship with Buckeye. We built those personal relationships with those businesses, right, and invested into so that their well being was our well being, and vice versa. Great. Right. And then, so to continue the story, eighteen months goes by. We, we've launched the station. We're now successful. We've gone through the, the year of of, you know, of hell, I'll just say it. It was, <laughs> it was one of those years. And 30 miles up the road was the village of Loudonville. I need to turn and check our time here. Oh, we got plenty of time. Okay, we're doing good. Uh, so the village of Loudonville, Ohio, which is in Mohican country, beautiful country. Um, I was asked to come up to uh, give a presentation on our station at the Loudonville Rotary Club. The Loudonville Rotary Club met—I oh, forget—Wednesdays at noon. So I went up and it was actually a client of mine that had invited, had invited me. And uh, I, in this in this presentation I made, I I said, you know, we're broadcasters. Our specialty and our focus is communication. You know, we're here to be broadcasters. And I remember saying saying this very clearly because the FCC had issued a bunch of FM station licenses. And it was kind of like a land rush. Everybody started to you know grab them up. and some of the people getting them were not really broadcasters. They were more uh, doctors and lawyers and just mm. people who wanted they thought the idea of owning a radio station Station's was fun. Cool. yeah and, and I said uh, I said, sadly, you're gonna see a lot of these fail over the next few years because they they're not broadcasters. So there's they they're not going to be able to roll with what the, the technology and all the things that are coming. They you have to be pretty savvy with this. Little did I know that the bank president for one of the local banks was sitting in that audience. Now I didn't I didn't know anybody in that room or very few people, and but the bank president and his chief loan officer were sitting there. Six months after making that presentation, I get a call from my client who has a furniture store in the area. That's who had invited me, and he says. Uh, you don't know this gentleman, but he's going to be visiting your radio station. And I said, "Oh, for what purpose?" You know, I'm curious. He says he wants to see your operation because um, they're holding a bad loan on a radio station that you talked in about. <laughs> Loudonville, Ohio. That that I had prof prophesied. And I had right. no clue. Any of this was going on. So they they actually came down and visited that afternoon, saw our operation. I I was very open. I showed them our books. I showed them how we do things. I said, you know, this is the efficiency we've achieved. This is the profitability we're looking at. Here's our projections. And they said, they walked out. And uh, when they walked out, they said, we want you to buy the station in Loudonville, and we're willing to finance you to do it based on that one meeting. Yeah. And so it took a year uh, and, a, and a Chapter Seven bankruptcy to make it happen. But right. all of a sudden, you know, we went from having one station that was struggling right. over the course of about two years to two radio stations that were now very financially solid. Right. And so we operated them as a pair, uh, country formatted with separate commercials and separate uh, like information programming for the two areas. They covered about six counties, and we did that until 1997 when that there was deregulation in the industry and larger companies were starting to buy up smaller. They wanted to mm-hmm. build what were called cluster operations. Right. And we received a, an unsolicited offer. It was the offer we couldn't refuse Right. Uh, to, uh, to did, sell those. Did you, um, Did you? was your goal always to return to Lancaster? No, not really. I mean, we were kind of making our life in, in Fredericktown. We yeah. bought a house there. And as, but as so many, as, as I've talked to so many people in Lancaster, and in Fairfield County, one day you realize you want to go home. Yeah. And so we, uh, we saw this as you know, God's way of saying, go home. Start your family in Lancaster. And so we, uh, we took the offer. And at the same time, WLOH was being, con- being merged into a, a larger corporation, and they didn't know what to do with it. So we said, well, let's make an offer on our hometown station, and let's see if we can come back to Lancaster as station owners, and it just and it, it, worked it, out. it worked out great. We were able to sell those two, move back to Lancaster, and and you know it's that immediate thing. You're home. You right. know, it's like you're home, and That's so great. you know we're back, and we've not left since. And, and I, now you have more. Um, you got the wolf, and well, so tell us how all of that works with
0: the multiple frequencies. So and,
1: what we bought, and this was in 1998. What we bought was. And one single AM radio station. And it was the spinoff, because at that point, K95 had moved to Columbus. Uh, The other local station, 103.5, had moved to Columbus. So Lancaster was left with not much in the way of local radio. There was a non-commercial Christian station, and there was WLOH, the AM station. And so we bought it with the idea of, well, let's see what we can do. Let's get it built back up and at least get it serving the community. This was in the late 90s. in 1999 we found out my wife was pregnant. So that was kind of fun. And and so that worked out well, but then we another one of those things where one day you're rolling along and everything is normal and the next day your your world is turned upside down because we've received yet another unsolicited offer to sell WLOH. And it was um, a guy named Ed Johnson. And Ed Johnson may be a familiar name to some people. He mm-hmm. started the ABN, the Agri Broadcasting Network. Okay. Here's the uh, little bit of trivia. Where, where Buckeye Honda sits yes. is on Edie Road. Correct. Behind it, before they built all the development, was yeah. the Edie Farm. Yep. The ABN, the Agro Broadcasting Network, started in the milking parlor at the Edie Farm. Is that right? With back in Paul 19- and yeah, yeah, in 1965. And, is yes. that right? So Ed wanted to return to his roots. Ed was saying, "I want to buy some local radio stations. We've got this network. We want to own some local stations." So in 2005, we got to buy WLOH back. At that point, it was still the AM station, and at that point, we said, "We need an FM. We need to we need to bring FM service back." So, we put myself and another a group of AM broadcasters petitioned the FCC to allow some licenses to be opened up. And it turned out it took five years, but we got the first FM 104.5. Right. From there, we were able to pick up 99.3 in Logan. And then just in 2018, uh, acquire a license for Perry County because it's an underserved area. And now we have the three FMs operating as a network. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, there you go. you've really uh, you've really grown over the years right and we're at 26 minutes on this
0: podcast so gotcha. we probably ought to move on. okay so uh, I just wanted to ask one question. So what's what's uh,
1: the hardest part of your job? Well because we deal in technology, the probably the biggest uh, challenge I deal with is when 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 it's lightning when there's a lightning storm and the weather's bad and everybody's looking at the pretty lightning. I'm, I'm, (laughs) they're hitting towers. (laughs) You're scrambling. Uh, We've had the big derecho storm of 2012 comes to mind because at that time I lost uh, quite a bit of equipment to lightning and we lost power at a couple of our sites. And now we've got generators in some places and uh, it's, it's, we're, we try to protect as much as possible. But the biggest challenge is when we're needed the most to provide public information. We're suffering from the same issues as everybody right. else. You've got to have so the protections. We have to harden it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we have to be redundant in all yeah. ways.
0: Good. So, um, as you know, obviously the uh, these studios are called the Buckeye Honda and Toyota uh, Studios. Have
1: been for about ten years. We're very proud. So of So we have a business relationship.
0: Yes. Uh, but you're also a member of the Buckeye Automotive family, and I just mm-hmm. wanted to give you an opportunity to maybe talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, I met Mike Spires back in twenty, I want to say '09, somewhere in the late before the the start of the 2010s uh we were in a referral group together and mike was the embodiment of buckeye mike was the guy that got there at four in the morning and opened up the service department and made sure you know matter of fact you still have mw on all your shirts it's mike's way right uh mike was just an absolute dynamo when it came to uh, you know being enthusiastic for his company and 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 the and a pride that, that I immediately saw Kindred because of the same passion we have for uh, the radio station is what I saw in Mike. And Mike's, you know, his enthusiasm is infectious. So the first thing I did was, oh, yeah, I'll get my car service there. Right. And, and, and in doing, and I remember one day I, I needed, uh, I forget what it was, but it was going to be more than I wanted to spend. And Mike says, you know, well, you know, if you need to you know, finance that or whatever, you know, let me we'll know. We'll work. work with you, we'll make it work. That's exactly right. I've so, heard that one too. I said, Mike, it's not that I don't have the money. It's that I don't want to spend the money. At that point, I said, let's go look at cars. And so I bought my first – he introduced me to, to uh, one of the sales folks, and uh, we wound up – I wound up buying a new car because I just didn't want to spend – it hit the point where I just didn't want to spend any more money. Yeah. And so I bought a, a Honda Accord, and I really liked the car, but I'm a Toyota guy, and I've always been a Toyota guy. Sorry. So when Jerry says, we're buying <laughs> – the Toyota dealership. I'm like, thank you! Now, <laughs> well, that now makes I, it easier, you can go so back much to your Yeah, and so uh, after the Accord, and I, I tend to buy cars about every four years because I do a lot of driving, and I, when they hit a certain mileage point, I, I want to trade them in. And so my next car was, at that point, a Corolla and then after that another Corolla. I remember actually I was working at the Toyota mm-hmm. store then when you came in yeah. and got your first uh, Corolla. Yeah, and I'm on, I'm on my second one now which I you know my daughter's like, "Dad, that's the 50th anniversary uh, Corolla." That's a they only that's made 8,000 of those. You got to keep that." I'm like, "Honey, it's just a car to me." We've certainly enjoyed being having the relationship with you on the
0: radio side of it. You get you've been a, a great partner with a Helping us with remotes like mm-hmm. you talked about, and uh, well, you just, guys uh, are
1: so involved in the community, and it's it's an, and that's the other thing that uh, I was very proud of. I'll tell one very quick story. Um, we had we were doing an interview on the radio one day, and as, as you as Buckeye was finishing up, uh, the chief of police was coming in for something, and I introduced Jerry and I and uh, I don't know if Mike was there, but I introduced Jerry and I, and the police chief. And so Dave of, Bailey it time? was Dave Bailey, yeah. and out of that came the dare, dare truck. Car, yeah, and I say, I always say, when I see the dare truck out on the road, yeah. that happened in the lobby of the radio station. That's fantastic. So it's all about relationship. It's and all about last connection. Last episode
0: with with Jim Marshall mm-hmm. with the dare. Yep. So well, it comes full circle. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again, Mark. Really appreciate uh our relationship, and it's I've really learned
1: a lot about you today. All right. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you've learned. little bit more about Mark Bohawk and WLOH and maybe a little bit more about Buckeye as well. Just want to finish by saying together we're going to make it through this COVID-19 crisis and be better for it.